Today on Grow in Grace, the sweet odor of worship rises to the surface. How did a poor Jewish woman come up with $30,000 worth of perfume? She's been saving it. It's what Jewish girls save for their dowry, for their wedding, for their first home, for their marriage. She gave away what she'd been saving all her life and poured it out on Jesus and worshiped him because worship is expensive. What? Worship always costs the worshiper something. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love. Welcome to Grow in Grace. As some of you know, we're going through the Gospel of John right now, and today we'll stop and have dinner with Jesus. In chapter 12, Mary pours a very expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. And while some would view this as a waste, Jesus saw it for what it truly was, worship. So Pastor Ed Ray will take some time today to discuss the kind of worship that God accepts and appreciates. And we'll contrast that with the smells of love and greed. From that day on, 53, they plotted to put Jesus to death. They're trying to kill him. And even though they understand that he would die for the nation, quick side trip, theologians call that substitutionary atonement. Somebody else takes the penalty for you or for me. Jesus takes the penalty for our sin and dies on the cross for us. Actually, all the Old Testament sacrifices to get atonement, to get your sin forgiven, you had to bring an animal because you couldn't do it yourself. That's what God was teaching the Jews through animal sacrifices. You can't atone. You can't make up for your sins. But Jesus is the one who came to atone for all our sins. Anyone who will surrender to him and take that gift. Okay, so that, there's a lot in that one section there. From, they plotted to put Jesus to death, verse 54. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, this Jewish leadership, but went from there to the country near the wilderness, it's in the desert, to a city called Ephraim. The, the word means unfruitful. It's a really dry section, 14 miles northeast of Jerusalem and there remained with his disciples. He goes and he hides out from the Jews. Why? Was he afraid? <laughs> this is God. No, it's not the right time. God has a timing for Jesus' life and your life and mine. None of us know what it is. Psalm 139 says, our days were written, the number of them, in his book, when you were being formed in your mother's womb. Jesus had a very specific thing he had to do on a very specific day on the Passover, and he had to do it this particular year because God had given Daniel the prophet in the Old Testament the exact day that Jesus would come in the Eastern Gate of Jerusalem. 
I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you, but all you really need to get from that is Jesus is up here in Ephraim because he's waiting for a week. It's only a week away from his death. So, verse 55, the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves for ritual washings and fasting. Now, you remember the Passover. The first one was in Egypt that the Pharaoh didn't want to let the children of Israel go with Moses, and God began to put ever-increasing plagues on them. The last one was the same thing that the Egyptians had done to the Jews. You remember Moses had to be hidden in the reeds because Pharaoh had ordered that all the male babies born would be killed. So the last terrible plague was that an angel would go to all the homes in Israel and kill the firstborn son. Unless, unless you got a lamb and took it into your home and then sacrificed it and then took the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost of your home. And any home that had the blood of the lamb on it, the angel would pass over and no one would be harmed there. That's true about your house today. Don't kill a lamb, that's not what I'm saying. The death angel will pass over your house when you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. That's what the Passover is. So God set it all up the exact day way back in the book of Daniels, 700 years before this event we're reading about. And this one is coming, 56, they saw Jesus because Jesus was coming to the Passover too. They knew he would be there, but they went back and forth. Surely he won't come, will he? Is what they're saying. It's actually in the Greek language, it's in the negative. Now both, verse 57, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command. That anyone who knew where Jesus was, he had to report him, that they might seize him. They're gonna arrest him, they're gonna kill him. And so they're waiting for someone to tell them where Jesus is. Does Jesus cower in fear? No, he shows up in a suburb for a meal, verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus comes to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. So it's six days before the great Sabbath, the Passover, third new moon from the winter equinox that they arrive at where the past, that's why it changes every year, the date of it. It has, they have a lunar calendar based on 29.53069 days in a month. That doesn't help, I know. We're on a solar calendar because the sun's a little more consistent. It's not perfect either, but it's a little more consistent. So anyway, that's gonna happen it's coming on a certain day that God said it must happen on a certain year. And, and Jesus shows up at Bethany. It's no longer called Bethany. It's El Lazarium today. You can go there, visit. And 
El Lazarim is a Arabic phrase for the place of Lazarus, of Eleazar, Lazarus himself. And you can go there and you ask the local Arabs, so what's this village famous for? He said, well, this is where Lazarus was raised from the dead. Wait a minute, you're a Muslim. Yeah, but this is where Jesus was raised from the dead, raised Lazarus from the dead. That's why we call the village after him. And you can go into the tomb. Is it the right one? Well, there's only one tomb in town that's in a cave, and they said Lazarus is in a cave. So yeah, I think it is. But Jesus is there a few days after he, he asked Lazarus to come out of the grave, okay? And he shows up at the house. Verse two, they made him a supper. Martha served, the two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha's the one that's always doing things. And Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. He was dead just a few days ago. Now he's sitting up having a meal. Now, I'm going to take just a little quick side trip. I'm trying to remove some of you are right now going, well, wait a minute, this story sounds familiar of a woman drying off Jesus' feet. Yes, there is another one, but it's a different event. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 39. And let me give you the quick version of that story. It happens in Galilee, up in the north. The one we're reading about today is in Jerusalem. So this one in Luke chapter 7 was in the first year of Jesus' ministry. This one is in the last year, three years later. The one up in the north in Luke is in a man's house named Simon the Pharisee. And so Simon is a, a rabbi who doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah. But he's a local kid. He's from Nazareth, just up the road. So he invites him for dinner. He wants to check Jesus out. Jesus goes to his house for dinner. And they're at the dinner table eating. Now, in the first century, they sat at a table that was called a triclinium, three-sided, and it was only about a foot off the ground. And you'd actually put your left, if you're right-handed, you put your left elbow on a pillow, and then you eat with your right hand off this very low table. If you were eating pizza, you could just shovel it in. It's very convenient. Not yet pizza available. But they're there eating. I told you that part because obviously if it's that low, you can't get your legs underneath it. So your legs go out behind you. So he's at a table with this Pharisee that doesn't believe, hostile witness. And in the middle of the dinner, a woman comes in uninvited. And she comes and stands over here, right over Jesus' feet. He's at the table eating. His feet are out here. And she stands there and begins to weep openly. And she is a known prostitute. And the owner of the house didn't invite her. And he's upset that she's there. But as she weeps, her tears are falling on Jesus' feet. And Simon says to himself, if this was really the Messiah, if this man was a prophet, he'd know that she is a woman of ill repute and he wouldn't let her touch him with her hair. Jesus said, Simon, I have a question for you. Simon says, ask on. 
Jesus said, there was a man who was owed a great deal of money from two men. One of them owed him 10 grand, $10,000. The other one owed him 100. Neither one could pay their debt. So the man who was owed the money went to them and he said, I forgive your debt. Both of them, the money was forgiven. Jesus said, Simon, which man do you think loved him the most? Which man was most thankful for having their debt forgiven? And Simon said, well, I, I guess it must be the man who owed the most money, the $10,000. Jesus said, Simon, you have answered correctly, rightly. This woman, and he points to the prostitute, has come in and washed my feet with her tears. You did not wash my feet when I was a guest in your home. Normal hospitality in Israel, you would wash, have a servant wash the feet of anyone who came for dinner. Jesus said you didn't do that. And secondly, you gave me no perfume. There, the other thing that you did for your guests when they came to dinner was to take some oil that had perfume mixed in it and put a drop on the head. Why? No deodorant. Okay? <laughs> and you wanted the house to smell more like the perfume than like the out of doors. Okay? Jesus said, this woman has anointed me with perfume. You did neither. This woman who has been forgiven much, loves me the most. Who is the greatest sinner in this room? I beat you all to it, it's me. By God's grace, I have been forgiven much. We're looking at a beautiful display of worship here in John chapter 12 on Grow in Grace and here's Pastor Ed Ray with more. Now, that story I told you so that you would understand this story. This story happens three years later, and it's at the home of these two sisters and the man who was dead and now is alive. And into this same kind of a setup of Jesus at the table, Verse 3, Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Now, a Roman pound uh, would be 12 of our ounces. So 12 ounces of this perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus, put it on his feet. And the Gospel of Mark says she also poured it on his head, went down his hair, his beard, all over his clothes, down to his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. She took off a barrette out of her hair, whatever held it, and used her hair to wipe and spread this perfume all over him. The house was filled with the fragrance. That's the key word I want you to see. With the smell of this oil. Now, spikenard comes from Nepal in the Himalayas. The little mountain is at the footsteps of Everest. 
It's the only place in the world where this plant grows that produces this very strong, make your eyes water strong, perfume base. It's that little plant, they grind. Now, if some, those of you that are old enough, you'll remember when pharmacists took a mortar and a pistol and they would grind up, make their own chemicals, their own pharmacies. Today, they just count pills. I said that for the pharmacist sitting in the back. And so that's what the alabaster jar was. Alabaster is a very soft stone. It's all over the Middle East. You can turn it in a lathe. That's what she took. Now, if we take what the Judas is saying, that it's worth 300, it's worth a year's labor. So if you take $18 an hour is what the shift managers are making at Del Taco, the sign says, that we're talking about thirty dollars to $40,000 worth of perfume she pours out. An extravagant amount of money. Now, one of the disciples, verse 4, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He meant poor Judas. Okay. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and that he used to take what was put in it. The word thief is klepto. Sounds familiar? The Greek word klepto, where we get kleptomaniac. The guy is a compulsive thief and he made a habit of it. Jesus said, let her alone. Here's God's view of what she did. She has kept this for the day of my burial. How did a poor Jewish woman come up with $30,000 worth of perfume? She's been saving it. It's what Jewish girls save for their dowry, for their wedding, for their first home, for their marriage. She gave away what she'd been saving all her life and poured it out on Jesus and worshiped him because worship is expensive. What? Worship always costs the worshiper something. I hope you joined in the worship earlier. We, we sang these songs because that's what the New Testament says our worship is to be, that we would offer a sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips. So we sing to him. And you say, well, how is that expensive? You don't feel like singing. No, I don't feel like singing. But Jesus has done so much for us. We say, I'm going to worship him. And I'll choose to do it. A little inconvenient. I may be having a bad day. May have a headache. Doesn't matter. I'm going to choose to worship. Now, there's a couple of things that come out of that. Number one, worshipers become like what they're worshiping. What? There's a guy that comes to first service that rides a Harley. It is completely dressed out, okay? Got the leather and the rivets and sequins. He has blinged it out, okay? And I know it's his because when he comes in here, and I won't say where he sits, and when he sits down, because his leather jacket looks just like his motorcycle. What are you saying, Pastor? He's becoming what he worships, his bike. You become like Jesus when you worship him. That's the lesson. You become like what you worship. You worship God, you start to take on the characteristics that God has. 
and he changes you from the inside out and you take on the fragrance of Jesus. What? How did you get fragrance out of that? 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, you and I, through us diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. You see, when you walk into a place, you walk into a, a home, a neighbor, work, school, classroom, whatever, it's your opportunity to diffuse, to let off the aroma, the fragrance, the smell of Jesus. Where do I get that smell? You worship him. The same place where Mary took the oil of spikenard and poured it on Jesus. It goes further than that. Come with me just a second. Jesus is only six days away from the Passion Week. Tomorrow, after this, he's going to come in the Eastern Gate on the donkey. And every place he rides, the smell of Jesus, the fragrance of Christ fills the air. Everything he does for that whole next week is carried on his hair, on his clothing, all the way down to his feet. As he walked down the Via Della Rosa with the cross on his back, everyone said, what's that smell? That's beautiful. That's the smell of Jesus. When he went into Pilate's courtroom, the place was filled with the smell. It's really, really strong. It's a base for perfume. The most expensive base for perfume in the world. I tried to buy some for my wife. I said, you know what? It's her birthday. Let me go. And I heard there was a certain brand that had spike yarn perfume. And I went to a very expensive department store and said, you know, I'd like some spike yarn from so-and-so. I won't name them. But the lady said, sure, how much do you want? I said, well, it comes in ounces, right? She said, well, it starts with a quarter ounce and then a half ounce. and about. So I thought I'd be the big spender. I said, well, what's a half ounce cost? She was $450. Now, don't misunderstand. I love my wife, but she didn't get spiked art. Every place Jesus went. As he carried the cross and Simon took the cross from him, Simon was Cyrene, he went, wow, you smell great. You don't look so good, but you smell great. As the centurion and the soldier started to put the spike in his hands, he leaned over and he went, wow, that smell is beautiful. When Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took him down from the cross, they went, wow, he's already anointed for burial. Who did that? Mary. Mary knew. How did she know? Well, Jesus told everybody, but she heard it from him. You see, worshipers know stuff. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you worship Jesus and you'll begin to understand things in the scripture that you didn't see before. You seriously worship God, you'll become like him and he'll tell you stuff like he told Mary, I'm gonna die in six days. Now's your opportunity to anoint me for my burial. We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, and it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. 
If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share His Word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And if you wouldn't mind in the next day or two, send off an email to let us know you're listening and what you're getting out of the present series in John. It's encouraging to hear how God is at work through Grow in Grace. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life when you email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us back here next time as we return to our study of the Gospel of John This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Say, let this world know me by your